Welcome to And Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. <laughs> I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm befuddled. And I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And where's the rest of that moose? We're looking at Arthur. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Jo, how are you doing today? Ah, I'm okay, Jeff. How are you? <laughs> ah, I'm good. <laughs> We're a little punchy today, folks, but nothing wrong with that. Uh, and listener, don't forget, whilst you're here, to uh, smash that subscribe <laughs> button uh, so you can, because uh, <laughs> you know you want to be listening to episodes like this. Like you, you might have missed that we did this episode on Arthur and missed this great intro, this great dazzling. New vaguely intro. Scottish <laughs> intro. Vaguely being the key. Vaguely being the key. Uh, uh, Arthur came out on July 17th, 1981, was written and directed by Steve Gordon. Amy Jo, what's that experience with Arthur? Had you seen it before? I had seen it, but this is not one I like grew up watching. I know like my parents bought the DVD a few years back because they had seen it and uh. liked it, but like I hadn't watched it. But we maybe watched it together for my first time. And I believe so. I had a client going in to play Liza in that Halston show. Um, oh. So I went on a... With the one with Ian McGregor? I don't know. Halston? Whatever TV show came out yes, a couple uh, years I th- ago. I think, yes. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch it. Krista Rodriguez ended up playing I it. I just watched the clip of her doing Liza with a Z. Okay. And you see Hugh McGregor just watching. And I'm like, oh, I guess this is a Hugh McGregor show that I knew nothing about. Yeah. Krista Rodriguez ended up booking it. Not my client, but um, uh, she was great, I'm sure. But um, yeah, I kind of did a big deep dive on younger Liza, both like in interviews and, and then in performances. And this is a great one because it sounds so conversational as opposed to like, you know, you, 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 when your work is doing what you love, you never work a day in your life. Just doing a deep dive on Liza Minnelli sounds about it was <laughs> the best possible great. thing for you. Well, it's, you know, I, idiolector, which is a, a particular person's idiosyncratic way of speaking mm. rather than like a dialect, like uh, idiolects are an interesting Thing, especially I assumed when it was a t- dialect of an idiot. <laughs> no, nar, nar, Liza is Narp. not an idiot. Um, Darn straight. Don't even joke don't about even that. Don't even think about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like someone like Liza is so easy to lampoon, but to to have her be serious and conversational and yeah. and not like a drag performance is uh, an interesting challenge. So yeah. it was it was fun. But I mean, it's one of those things where it's like it was a you know it's a TV show, so like. They got the audition like a, maybe a week in advance. So I had to Ooh, like wow. deep dive and then we had a couple sessions, you yeah. know, so. Very cool. Yeah. yeah, I had only seen this for the first time a few years after college. I remember I was doing a production of Romeo and Juliet where our uh, father Capulet and someone else, maybe the director, were just loved the film and were talking about it. And mainly this moose scene. Just I was like, what? what is this? This sounds funny and it was on the tv or i rented it or something and i was like this is real good uh and then i saw that you owned it yeah <laughs> so I was again like, the dvd my parents we, bought but i had never seen it I was like we gotta watch this you haven't seen it it's very funny uh, and the two of us have watched it a few times together since uh but it's very i think it's a very charming very fun film and you got great lies a great it's the only movie that i've ever seen dudley moore in yeah uh, i mean he was a he had a lot of comedy act stuff i've seen yeah. him in some other 
stuff where he's playing like a much smaller role kind of thing. Well, he had like a string of leads. It was starting like 10, the Blake Edwards movie with Bo Derek and uh, Julie Andrews. That was like a real. Yeah. But I'm saying I haven't yeah. seen right, those. Right, I've right. only seen like, I think he's in. Oh, I don't know. He's in some other things where he's just like has a little moment where he plays the piano kind uh, of thing. Okay. If cool. I'm remembering correctly. Cool. Uh, so spoilers ahead. If you haven't seen Arthur, you haven't seen it in a while. Here's a brief ish synopsis. We meet Arthur Bach. He is a rich drunk who uh, is pretty much forced to choose between marrying this woman, Susan, and keeping his money or he'll get cut off but he falls for liza as linda and uh, ultimately has to choose between the money or love uh Alst, while his valet hobson is there as his father figure uh hobson john gilgood of course hobson winds up he's he's got a cough which means you know that what that means he's he's that's movie for he's dead yes. um and he dies garbo did it so that <laughs> garbo crawled so hobson could was garbo known for the cough wasn't she um, Camille? Camille? Yeah. I have no idea what that is. That's La Dame de Camellia. It's like the, the, the woman who dies of TB. It was like a stage play. And then it was, I think, I think it was Garbo famously did it on screen. So like everyone was lampooning. I'm, I'm just loving oh. the word lampooning today. Everyone <laughs> would like, was referencing that when it's, you know, someone's like going to die oh, tragically cough, cough, of die. a lingering disease. Oh, well, there you go. Camille. Oh, fascinating. I had no idea. It's, li- listeners, it's Camille. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Hobson dies and Arthur's forced to grow up. He gets incredibly drunk. There's like only three times that he gets incredibly drunk in the film, if I'm not mistaken. But they're, but they're so, so, oh, they're so good. Iconic. Uh, and ultimately chooses Eliza, of course. But his grandmother is like, there has never been a working class box, so we're going to let you have the money instead. So everyone gets their cake and they eats it too. But it's real fun and real charming, so I ain't complaining about that. Uh, initial thoughts, Amy Jo. Just from this, uh, f- this time watching it right now, uh, any specific takeaways anything that jumped out any moments or yeah whatever his it's like you were talking about like the the drunk actually only being like three times throughout but because that's how we meet him it's then yeah you you can't unsee yeah you can't unsee that but then like when um he's in the car the second time he's in the car getting plastered en route to Long Island, <laughs> um, drinking because he has to go and get engaged. Like when we don't even see him, but you just see the car going and you hear the laugh that like iconic. Yeah. Or maybe four times because then it's also him trying to give the money to Liza because it's him at the beginning, him with the father. That's later that night. Later that night with the father-in-law. That's the, that's he drives out to Liza. Yeah. Okay. It's that night because he gets engaged. He goes, he's like having scotch on a plate when Susan's eating a fish. And then like after that, he goes out to Queens to her. I'll do another. Do you want another fish? (laughs) (laughs) They apparently had to do, there's one scene where he was improvising so much. They had to do 27 takes. And I think during the moose scene, uh, I believe it was a guy on lighting that fell off a ladder because he was laughing so hard <laughs> that like this is a dangerous set to be on with all of this improvisations from Dudley Moore. Um, but you were saying. Well, just like not even having to see him, but hearing the laugh because it's so well established from that first scene that we're like, I see. Yeah. I get how this is going. 
Yeah, it's just so fun. Really watching it this time, I was really noticing because this movie, it won an Oscar for John Gilgood and Dudley Moore was nominated for lead actor. His only Oscar nomination. And I think he's just so screamingly funny in it. But this is the first time that I was really kind of catching the loneliness underneath all that, like of how desperate he is. Like in in the beginning, he picks up a a sex worker on the street Mm or I guess they do have sex, but uh, to come along with him to dinner. And you're seeing like the need, like that, this desperate loneliness underneath all of that of mm-hmm. him just trying to like, just so desperate to make people laugh. Uh, and, and it's very touch, surprisingly touching underneath like such a ridiculous comedy at times. Yeah. Uh, but I was really noticing that and um, just loving that Liza. Not that I didn't love her before, but she's so charming. She's so funny hopson's like you know what let me try to get these two together because to begin with he's just <laughs> good luck in prison he's just not a fan because <laughs> we meet liza stealing a tie for her father and arthur like gets her off the hook with the security but uh hopson's just like not into this woman at all until he's like oh you know what and he comes around he like gets her to come to the engagement party gives her an invite um and you get this scene with liza and dudley moore out of these stables with Liza just act, trying to act like whilst this horse is like nipping at her and like, and just like get in front of her. And you see her so naturally like alive yeah. and laughing and interacting with this horse. And it's such a beautiful, it's so beautiful. Cause you know, it's like, this is just perfectly real. There's oh, yeah. no, this is no, like now the horse is going to do this. It's just a horse being a horse and being Liza horsey. and Liza trying to well, act with this horse. And it's, it's also, this is in theory, like his horse this is like his favorite horse too so it's like the way she has to interact with this horse because that's also like beloved to like her beloved you know (laughs) and susan comes in you just love that smelly old horse (laughs) uh but yeah so the casting directors of arthur were howard fewer jeremy ritzer and juliet taylor fewer's cast past episodes silence of the lambs to die for the truman show and last week's moonstruck ritzer has also cast films including the warriors all that jazz and annie and taylor an emmy winner for casting angels in america has cast such films as the exorcist terms of endearment the birdcage and previous episodes working girl and big So let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. All of this is subjective. And as always, I've looked up all the actors in advance, and Amy Jo is hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. I'm very intrigued by this one because I feel like this is one where you, they clearly sculpted this to Dudley and Liza. Partially sculpted it to them. Partially it's that they just sculpted it to themselves. Right. That, but like, I, by, I just yeah. feel like this is going to blow my mind. Oh, and 100%. I am, I'm ready. <laughs> so let's kick it off with that titular character with Arthur Bach. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Dudley Moore and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Yeah, he's, it's not just that he's so funny. It's that the drunk is so particular you know it's an incredible it's incredible drunk it's an incredible drunk it's such a specific kind of drunk and and like kind of guy like and the it's just because he's like he is funny like the character arthur is funny when he's sober but it's a very you know it's just interesting to see like then how that gets pushed through like gallons of scotch into like i'm funny yeah you know it is great if you note when all of his scenes with John Gilgood, John Gilgood almost always has the laugh line. Dudley Moore's almost, Arthur's mm-hmm. almost always the straight man. He's got like one or two 
like laugh lines. But other than that, he's always the straight man of John Gilgood. And it's only when he's by himself or specifically drunk that he is like the full yeah. comic. Man, him when he goes to visit Liza and the the physical comedy of him with his drink trying to balance it on the car and he, he puts it like tilting it like on the one wheel like it's barely there and both times that he's just like so freaking out about like ah oh is it gonna stay as he's like stumbling around like such good physical comedy yeah it's so it's just so specific like scientific it's it's so good my initial thoughts of people like around the same time the first person you sprang to mind uh was anthony newley who Mm. i think that's Probably not surprising because he's also a Brit with similar hair and a kind of like a, <laughs> also a, you know, singer songwriter kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, while he's, you know, much taller man, um, I think there's a there's a sim- there's a similarity that you would get in terms of style of performance. Yeah. Um, another guy around that time who we know does drunk well, though, it, much more famous for doing it more tragically be jack lemon definitely um, so i'd be who we know is hilarious so i'd be he's absolutely hilarious that. uh he yeah incredible drunk acting in days, days of, of wine and, and roses, roses if yeah. you've not seen it excellent film um and then if this were going to be more contemporary th- this person was the first person that came to mind uh, reese darby just because we were just watching oh, our flag means death yes the lead like, of our flag is death and actually uh, like that feel, again if you're looking for someone to kind of f- step into a similar dudley moore ish space totally. i feel like he it it hits a bit differently but but is is in a similar pocket now i have like a younger crop of guys that would all be very oh 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 made like a, a few years later another incredible drunk actor is richard e grant Mm, like mm-hmm. with nail and i if you've not seen with nail and i it is very a very different drunk a much bitterer drunk but also richard e grant is a tremendous actor and i yeah. think would would have also been hilarious and in, in oh, a role definitely. like this okay so so more contemporary this is someone that i don't actually know it wouldn't be as funny mm-hmm. but just i'm interested purely for the sake of what we what we know about this person or at least what i know about this person based on you having said this on the podcast <laughs> What do we get with a Daniel Radcliffe Arthur? A Daniel Radcliffe Arthur. Again, I don't Ooh. think it's as funny, but I, th- I think it could yeah. be. Yeah, interesting. Dark, you know. Sure. Yeah, I'm not not into it. I think when you have, he's got the height. He's got. <laughs> you know what he's got going for him? The height. Um, I I think just bringing there's there's no way you have someone like daniel radcliffe and don't bring the fact that he's daniel radcliffe into what he's doing and I don't, i'm not talking about his acting i'm just talking about like our relationship to having seen him since he was 10 years old on screen you know true. and i think that i just think there's something interesting about that especially because so much of the story of this is about like someone who is far too old to be acting like a child mm. and they they eventually have to grow up and there's something about seeing someone that we still think of as a child in a lot of ways who like i think has spent a lot of his adult life trying to be like i'm not that kid anymore you yeah. know there's something interesting about that to me. Um, Nicholas Holt. Ooh, I'm into that. I think that would be legitimately We love hilarious. Nicholas Holt on this podcast. We do. Well, the guy's so, good. I mean, he's so good in everything from The Great to Mad Max. Ugh, he's so good. Yeah. And then uh, different, but I'm also like into this, Kieran Culkin. Sure. Sure. I see it. Mm-hmm. I see it. Love it. Uh, Yeah, I've got some thoughts. To me, at the same time, of a similar vibe, give me a Rowan Atkinson. Mm -hmm. Someone that's bringing the comedy. Or 
really his Blackadder co-star, a young Hugh Laurie, I think he's could he's give a similar I thought of both performance. of these people. Uh, I think it would be so good. Um, but also, so this is, I mean, clearly his father is an American. Like this character is yes. ostensibly supposed to be American. Well, the guy who's playing the dad is trying to do a British accent. I'm trying to. But this is all after the fact because Dudley Moore can't really do an American accent. Um, and if he does, you're robbing him of so much of his expressivity. Yes. So the director, Steve Gordon and Dudley Moore argued over the accent and Dudley Moore, ex- he said, I explained to the director, I couldn't possibly do it as an American since I spent half the time trying to get my vowels right. But they continued the discussion up until filming had started. Nope. And Dudley Moore was like, well, I'm just doing my British accent. <laughs> and I don't know if the director was like, we'll dub it in post. I'm going to get you to do an American one way or the other. But Dudley Moore, of course, went out, I think, for the best um, it was interesting reading some reviews because some people were saying that you can kind of interpret it as that it implies that Arthur is just raised by Hobson. Hobson. So he mm-hmm. learned to speak from Hobson, which is why he talks with a British accent. You could. They're speaking with very different British they accents. They certainly are, of course, of course, of course. But if it within the world of the film. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But so I'm like, OK, so this is supposed to be an American just taking it away from the Brits. Give me a young John Lithgow, who's <laughs> someone who's really just plays a great man child yeah just think of him on third rock i so see him with his little toy trains oh yeah uh and i think he'd be a really funny drunk i'm sure he's played drunk if not on third rock at in some point or another yeah Um, i don't know if i've seen it but i would i would believe it would be funny that's what i really want this is made later this is made more recently just that thing of actors that have played amazing drunks uh simon pegg and the world's end i'm like give me a simon if this is like made Honestly, because we did not, neither of us saw this remake with uh, Russell, Russell Brand. Brand. Um, and I like Russell Brand, he's, but I he's, don't, yeah. I didn't feel the need to see it. Right, right. It might be a little too wild, but I'd also be interested in Andrew Scott. Love Andrew Scott and everything. But oh, like, a little too wild. Andrew me- Scott <laughs> is pitch perfect every time. This is true. This is Andrew true. Andrew Scott is going to give you a heck of a performance, Jeff. I don't, don't, don't. You don't have to tell me that. I'm the one recommending him. I know, uh, and I am and saying, I'm doubling down on your recommendation. <laughs> I'm saying, get, get me Andrew Scott on the horn. <laughs> ding, ding. Hello. Hello. I want you to play Arthur. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, oh God, I wish I could remember that one great line of his. And that, like, well, the episode that, that, to me, introduced him to such a wide audience was that episode of Sherlock, where yeah. you first see him as Moriarty, where it was like, what's that word? Like, I will eat the no, heart. No, no, no. I, will, I knew it was going to be, I will burn the heart out of you. Yeah. But done as if he is possessed by demons. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> scary and magnificent. You, yeah. When you're like, what's that episode? I was like, it's going to be this it's line be where they're one. like at the pool. Yeah. Uh, and if it was in the 90s, I could see, thinking of big, I could see Tom Hanks, like in the early 90s. Oh, I think Tom Hanks would be, it's much more of a traditional rom-com. Yeah. But I could see that. Or RDJ. I could see Robert Downey Jr. Oh, Robert Downey Jr. I was like, around who is that? His kiss, bang, bang. Like thinking of his, thinking of him in as Iron Man. Yeah. If you just yes. take that character and make him not a genius, and just much more, just drive towards yeah, just the drunk playboy. Uh, drunk playboy. Yeah. As for the actors who were actually considered attached, was George Siegel, but after the success of the movie Ten, they decided to replace him with Dudley Moore. Ouch. And Siegel's also supposed to play Dudley Moore's role in 10, but he walked off the set shortly after filming began. So that's too... But he regrets that move. Yeah, I can't speak to Arthur, but apparently people asked him if he ever wound up seeing 10, and he responded by flipping them the bird. 
Instead of doing Arthur in 1981, George Siegel did Carbon Copy, where he learns he has an illegitimate son, Denzel Washington, and racist hijinks ensue. Wow, great. Great. Bud Court was suggested, possibly, possibly even cast, but withdrew prior to filming. I've seen it. I've seen different places online say one or the other. Interesting. Yeah. 1981 Bud Court. Bud Court is such a wonderful weirdo. Yeah. But very different than what we wind up yeah. with in this, which is not to say that he, he couldn't execute it. I've just never seen that uh, energy same, same. from Bud Court. You know, it's just occurring to me in this moment, you know who I feel like is a contemporary Bud Court is Paul Dano. You are not wrong. Young Paul Dano, if they'd yeah. done like a remake of Harold and Maude, I That's, so who, see that. Who else would it be? Yeah. Who else could it be? We're on a casting <laughs> podcast and we refuse to use our imaginations any further. When you've hit oil, stop drilling. There you go. <laughs> and I can't see George Siegel. I, I used to watch Just Shoot Me all the time. So that's how I mainly know I'll George I'll tell you, Siegel. I don't know who that is. Oh. I he, mean, I've heard the name. He's Nick in the Liz, Liz Taylor Virginia Wolf. Oh, well, I haven't seen that. Since. You never saw it. No, I mean, I haven't seen that since oh, I was since. Saying, like since college. Um, well, he was that he was also in he had a very small role in To Die For as um, like the agent or some guy that Nicole that pretty much like uh-huh. tells this like sexual story to Nicole Kidman with. Yes. Yeah. OK, I know who that is. That's George Siegel. Interesting. I didn't know that you weren't familiar with him. Um, never watch but just you, shoot me but you are familiar with this actor robert redford turned it down who <laughs> who what i can't i can't he's a wonderful actor can't really see it i can't see it being a comedy no well i mean or if it is it's just like but like picturing like i'm okay it is that from the jump like part because it's not necessarily so ingrained in the movie that he's a falling down drunk it's a big part of it but well, I mean, like the strangers on the street are like, you're the rich drunk. True. Like, that's how he's known. It's true. As opposed to someone like, oh, gosh, this is such a comment on our society. But I feel like someone who looks like Robert Redford, that's not the first thing they're going to say about him. That's the thing they're going to whisper about him, as opposed to someone like Dudley Moore, who's basically a hobbit. And I mean that with love. <laughs> like, watching oh, it's like, such a he's got the hobbit hair. He's loving the food and the and the bev, yeah. you know. He's loving life. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's 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 not, but it seems that way, you know. I was like, oh, like I wrote down, oh, he's a hobbit. He belongs in the Shire, but um, <laughs> he really he really is like um, giving me like Dom Monaghan hair and mm. and vibes, you know. Anyway, it's it's just like you're not you're making different allowances for Robert Redford than you are for Dudley Moore. Is what I'm saying. Very true. I'm just picturing now. If they made Lord of the Rings in 1981, Dudley Moore as as Merry or Pippin, and John Gilgood as the end, uh, as Treebeard, carrying John Gilgood him is, around. Is D- uh, Dumbledore. Dumbledore. No, no I hate myself. Is <laughs> Gandalf? No, I know, but I'm just picturing you know Mary Dudley Moore up in the in his branches, just like I got I got to get down so I could take a bath. Uh, this big Treebeard. I'll alert the media. <laughs> <laughs> James Kahn turned it down. This is I'm more interested in that than Robert Redford. Oh, I guess, but I'm like that is such a a dangerous energy yes. to me. Yes. Thinking of him but as sunny I, again, and Godfather. Again, that's more interesting to True. me than Robert Redford than True. which again, I think that's why it feels like it's not a comedy because it feels like ah, oh, the fall of America, you know, <laughs> which is fair enough, but um yeah. 
James Conn instead in 1981, he had the Michael Mann movie Thief, which feels more on par of him as a safe cracker. Like that's I haven't seen it, but yes, where James Conn to me lives. Uh, at least someone who is an actual comedian, John Belushi. At least someone who is an actual. Well, am no, I wrong? No, uh, you're right, you're according right. to his widow, John Belushi was offered the role of Arthur, but ultimately turned it down, fearing typecasting. Because Blues Brothers was the year before. And in 1981, he had a rom-com with Blair Brown called Continental Divide and was playing the straight man to Dan Aykroyd in the comedy Neighbors. So I was like, and then he only, he died like a year or two later. Right. Um, but it was, that was interesting to me to see like two, just know, I mainly know him from Blues Brothers and Saturday right. Night Live. Uh, I never saw Animal House, but I'm still like that, the idea of yeah. what a John Belushi character is. And then yes. even with these two of like, oh, he was really, he was very much trying to branch out. Yeah, for sure. It's 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 like early Jack Black in a way of just like, yeah. just full yeah. chaos. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that kind of full throttle party monster type thing. Yeah. And I can see this feeling like more of a generic film, maybe it's the wrong word or term, but uh all this relationship with Hobson really does elevate. Like it really is so Absolutely. beautiful. Like, and it's just like the one long scene. I cry every time. Oh, uh, him just putting a little cowboy hat on him. And like, if I start to die, please take this, <laughs> this is not off how I me. Want to be remembered. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John Travolta turned it down. I mean, this is prime Travolta time. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm having a little trouble seeing it. Oh, I am too. He's coming off of Urban Cowboy. And 1981, he had the Brian De Palma movie Blowout, which is a very good movie. And he's very good in it. So I think that was ultimately great choice for him. Yeah. Jeff Bridges was considered. Huh. I know. This is just like, it's so hard picturing so many of these you guys in this. You know what it this. is too? It's because the setting, we did like two firmly New York movies in a row. Yeah. You have someone like Liza Minnelli who it's like, yes, I believe you're from Queens, you know, mm -hmm. like I believe you grew up in New York. You have someone like Dudley Moore with a British accent, but you're like, well, yeah, with the money I get, I get. Yeah. You were in boarding school in the UK and you came sure. back here, yeah. you know, like I get that. But Jeff Bridges, I just have a hard time imagining as like a Manhattanite. Yeah. Yeah, he's got that surfer vibe for me. I mean, yeah. I know he's played roles not of I know that he's type. An but actor. I know he's an actor, but uh, it is. It is a little hard to see that. I'm also, because of knowing him as the dude persona that he has, I'm just picturing instead of a drunk Arthur just being an incredible stoner, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> which would be the mid 90s version of this, that yes. he would just be the stoned 100%. rich guy. Uh, Chevy Chase was considered. Well, good riddance. Yeah, not for me, not for me. But his Three Amigos co-star Steve Martin was considered, and that I can see. I it's like such a different movie. Yes, but now I see. I'm it. also thinking yeah. because of the height, Martin Short. I did who not actually not think Martin a Short. lot more like Dudley Moore. Again, clearly that's not True. what they care about. But like no, just thinking, it's a an easier kind of like whoop. Yeah, Steve Martin. Yeah, that's interesting because Steve Martin, like, while a wonderful actor, is always goosing it a little bit, you know, yeah. because that's just part of his, I think, part of his kind of, like, screw you <laughs> to <laughs> to a lot of establishment stuff. Um, so I feel like it would be a po possibly goofier movie. I, I agree. Instead, in 1981, because The Jerk was 79, which was his big, like, leading man yeah. role. <laughs> that, that The Jerk is his leading man. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> 
instead, in 1981, he had Pennies from Heaven, which, mm-hmm. if you're not familiar with, has some incredible, incredible dance sequences and is one of the most depressingly bleak movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Whoo, boy. But he he is he's uh, doing some great dancing in that. But uh, a lot of hey, da 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 da. Yeah, he's doing a tap dance at the engagement party instead of. um. He's playing his banjo at the engagement party. Oh, instead of you know, the, that's pretty charming, though. He's, I mean, he's incredible. Yeah. Like, he's legitimately a, an yeah. excellent musician. So That is such a great, it's such a brief sequence. I could have had that be like three times as long oh, W. more at the piano. But yeah. uh, it's it's great that they have just a little bit. Um, but yeah, Steve Martin would be strumming that banjo. He'd be picking that banjo. Richard Dreyfus was considered. Oh, interesting. Um... I don't hate it. It's yeah. very different, but I don't hate it. Same. I mean, I'm more familiar with Richard Dreyfus from his more serious work, even though he won an Oscar for The Goodbye Girl, which is right. a comedy. I feel like he's an angrier drunk. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I have trouble separating him from that kind of like his intensity goes dark. You for need me. that like daffy drunk. Yeah. That one that, that is just like, like, I have so much love to give. Well, and that he drinks because he is desperately chasing some feeling of happiness and fleeing yeah. his feelings of inadequacy, as opposed to like the the drunk, like enveloping him. Totally. And, and fueling the anger, as opposed to like, it is his incredibly unhealthy escape into right. feeling like the person that he wants to be. Definitely. Um, and I see Steve Martin more, yes. at least if he's Always not hitting all the same notes that I want, he is still hit, hit, getting, yeah, yes, all yes, that yes. is go, traveling he, he, up. Steve Martin is always like a hopeful clown, even yeah. if like that's not necessarily like the artist's viewpoint. That's mm-hmm. like his his clown character is always taking it up. It's what he gets for free. And yeah. when he used well, it's used perfectly. Uh, Bill Murray was considered. And to me, that kind of splits the difference yes. in terms of like, because originally I'd be like, oh, that also might be a little too dark. Not even dark, just dry. But I, yeah, I he's, can. He's so like, his viewpoint is very like one eyebrow cocked, you know, yeah. but I feel like that could potentially work for this. I, I could see it. I'm yeah. not, not interested. Uh, he had Stripes in 1981 instead, which I mm-hmm. believe was a pretty big hit. So uh, he was doing just fine that year. Jack Nicholson was considered. Okay. Um. It would never occur to me, but we know he does big, bold chaos choices <laughs> excellently. We know the man will will take a big swing. Yeah. Um, it's just so hard to picture. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I forgot you were a prostitute. I just thought I was doing real well with you. Yeah, well, when you put it like that. <laughs> where's the rest of this moose i just it's i don't i don't think I, we're getting where's the rest of this moose from jack nicholson where's the rest of this moose uh it's hard it's hard to see he had reds and the postman always rings twice in 1981 uh yeah i don't know i don't know tom Selleck was considered like all of this is so random to me my face just went that's the thing it's also like not that dudley moore is an unattractive guy but any every time we're reading one of these and it's like a traditionally handsome Hollywood star, it feels weird. It's like you want it's like he's already got the money. Let him just be this short little normal looking old haired. Yeah. Drunk. Like, not a Hollywood looking guy. Jeff Bridges and Robert Redford and Tom Selleck. I'm like, to me, yeah. like, that's like, well, where's the comedy? It's like a big, handsome. Again. Yes. Rich dude. It's like. <laughs> 
wow, I can't believe this is what I'm about to go with. It's like when Bruce Wayne is really playing it being like the drunk idiot guy, but people are like, well, it's Bruce Wayne, so I'll put up with it. As opposed to like when Bruce Wayne doesn't look like Bruce Wayne, but looks like Dudley Moore. It's kind of like, oh yeah, you're the rich drunk. Not like, oh, you're the handsome playboy who maybe gets drunk too. But like, I just feel like people are, um, society's awful is what I'm saying. (laughs) Not wrong. Burt Reynolds was considered. No. (laughs) No for me, dog. Hey, um, what do you think is gonna do with that knife? That you, know, uh, you think is yeah, gonna cut some no, cheese? Exactly. He's he's not intimidated <laughs> by the the Long Island hunter. No, he's gonna give him a left hook. Exactly. Uh, now, Robin Williams was considered. Now I'm interested. That that I'm that I'm into. 1981. He was in the middle of Mork and Mindy. This is the year between Popeye and the World According to Garps. This is like right this at the start of his great movies. Great for Robin Williams. I think that really works. You're also getting a comedian, someone who is going to be uh, clearly improvising. You're going to have at Williams. least 27 takes per scene. You're be like, we can use them all. Yeah. <laughs> You could do a whole separate movie, a whole like uh, discarded from all the cuts you didn't yeah. use with that. Uh, but I like that a lot. I think it's yeah. my favorite so far. And that sound means it's time to play a quick round of two truths and some guy. The way it works, two of the following actors were up for the role of Arthur, one was not. Amy Jo's to guess, which is which? Your options are Harrison Ford, Sylvester Stallone, no. and Al Pacino. Oh, I hate it all. Um, these are all... Bad choices. (laughs) Even 1981. These are poor choices for comedy and the role. Um, Well, hi, Sylvester Stallone has given us such comedy classics as Stop or My Mom Will Shoot and Rhinestone Cowboy. And Al Pacino has given us such comedy classics as The Devil's Advocate. I wish you could see listener. She's so mad, listener. She's so unhappy. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, Harrison Ford still supposed to someone out, but you know, I don't know. I feel like seeing all the people they've had up for this, Harrison Ford definitely would have been in the mix because they're like, oh, we want someone attractive. I'm going to go with it's a no for Sly. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. No! I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at Hollywood. Um. Look at that that face. You're so pleased with yourself. Well, you've been doing pretty good on the game so far since we've been back. You've Yeah, well I, I lost I lost the one because I insisted it was Liza, even though I knew it wasn't. Yeah, you Liza. lost a ten, but I think you got it both for ten things I hate about you and Moonstruck. So you've been doing pretty good so well, far. Well, I've lost again. Yes, All right. Yes. Al, Al Pacino. I'm sorry that's incorrect. As you far as I could tell, Harrison idiot. Ford was not considered. Oh, my logic <laughs> failed me. Uh, but Sylvester Stallone and Al Pacino were both considered. Uh, Stallone, instead, in 1981, he had a movie called Victory, where he and Michael Caine are World War II POWs using a soccer game as a chance to escape. This is a Sylvester Stallone picture. I had no idea Stallone was in a movie with Michael Caine. Michael Caine made a lot of movies, you know? You're telling me. He still is. (laughs) Uh, But that's still wild to me. Like, in terms of six degrees of separation, it'd be like Stallone and Michael Caine, Stallone and Michael Caine, in a movie together is kind of wild to me. I, uh, it is not, in case you're wondering, it is not looked upon fondly in terms of why is it not playing on TV all the time yeah, or well, that in seems the public consciousness. Clear. But the, even just like you saying, he's in a movie called victory. I'm like, no. of course he was, he wasn't, it, he wasn't playing a wealthy playboy 
drunk. Just thinking of Sylvester Stallone doing the level of sensory detail work that Dudley Moore did, you know? I mean, the the voice the voice already sounds a little drunk. Uh-huh. So then what's he going to sound like when he's sober? Well, maybe they could dub him with Dudley Moore for the sober scene. <laughs> that voice coming out of that face. Ah! Hey, uh, where's the rest of this moose? Uh, and Pacino just turned it down. Uh, so it was his to lose. And honestly, though, I could see Pacino more than a lot oh, of the people on this Pacino, list. Pacino, uh, uh, much more so than like Robert Redford. He's got the height. He's got the height. It, I mean, you're also getting someone who is like not, you know, traditionally handsome by like Hollywood American standards, you know, uh, he, and he is an excellent actor. And at this point in his career, he's still really trying. So like yeah. I, I do buy that it's a decent option. It just and I buy that the guy lives in New York. Um, but I, I just, it, it feels too dark for me. Oh, of course. So many people, like, I just want someone known. You want someone that's known for comedy. Yes. Not like that someone that does both or is known more for drama can't do it, but it's also what you're bringing to the table as an actor. Yes. And that's so hard to picture going to the movies and seeing, even if Pacino was giving you the most like laugh out loud, falling down drunk comedic performance, it would still feel like. You're watching Pacino do it. Yes. Opposed to it being, and it feel, feel like it's inhabited by Dudley Moore. Yeah. Um, but let's move on to Hobson. Amy, show your thoughts on John Gilgood, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Well, there's a reason he was one of the most highly regarded actors of his generation. It's just every line is perfect. Yeah. Just delivered perfectly with such economy, and yet it's so full. <laughs> you know? Um, if I had to cast someone else, obviously my first thought was Ian McKellen. Totally. I mean, just Same. like that's a duh. Um, I I have Rowan Atkinson here oh, for a more for contemporary. Like a, yeah. I mean, thinking oh, I about him as Black Adder, just like dripping with disdain for everything. Him as Zazu. <laughs> I mean, now that's true. Um, but no, it's. I think you're so right though that like a young Rowan Atkinson, who's one of the, as we know the most incredible physical comedians in the biz would have given a hilarious performance as Arthur. Um, but it's funny that I was just like thinking of his text work being so rich with disdain being perfect for Hobson in his later years. Um, and you saying Hugh Laurie, I have here his Jeeves, Stephen Fry. Ooh, yeah. An older Stephen Fry. I mean like yeah. his, his Jeeves in, in him and Hugh Laurie doing Jeeves in Worcester is just like very capable. It's not nearly as like, disdainful as this Hobson was also a much younger man then he was like in his 30s playing Jeeves so right, like right. him now playing Hobson I'm would sure. be interesting um also if this is made today I was like you know who I really want is Charles Dance oh yeah like that's just like a, sure. a great choice and then this is very different very different but I was like hmm who does yeah just disdain really well and it's a different color but I was like hmm Nathan Lane. Ooh, <laughs> you know what? Why not? Speaking of the light. Why thing. not? Uh, I love that. Yeah. Uh, I could also see more made today, like Morgan Freeman or, mm -hmm. or Michael Caine. I mm -hmm. think are both giving me what I want. And if this was made instead, I guess it would have been for that remake. I love Helen Mirren because they uh, gender swapped it for Helen right. Mirren. Love Helen Mirren. But just picturing Alan Rickman uh, saying these lines. Why did I not think of the Rick man? Would be like 
would this have gotten him an Oscar or an Oscar nomination at least? Which is like crazy to me that he never got nominated for an Oscar in his career. And he gave so many amazing performances. Indelible, iconic. But that's what, tremendous. with that, like John Gilgood is giving you like the most like uptight, deep voice. Mm-hmm. And that like vocally, I just want Alan Rickman no, you're so saying right. all that's, of these lines. How that didn't occur to me. I alert the media. <laughs> like that number one with a bullet. Uh, so John Gilgood, this is what he said about this movie. I thought it was rather smutty and a vulgar little film, so I refused it. But each time they asked me, they doubled my salary, so naturally I became reconciled to do it. (laughs) (laughs) He he turned it down multiple times, but eventually the salary was just too good. He couldn't do it. Couldn't give it up. And I think they made the right decision. They sure did. To pay him. What he was worth. But it was not originally intended for him. There were two actors who they were seeking instead, and it did not work out with either one. And those two actors were David Niven and Alec Guinness. Totally. David Niven, great choice. I love David Niven. This feels great for for him as well. And Alec Guinness, sure, I see it. But I I see David Niven more. Um, But I, I just... Uh, it's just hard to imagine it's, anyone. It's Gilgood is so perfect this. in it. Yeah. He's so good. Uh, and he's so fu- screamingly funny. Like so much of his dialogue is, he just has gets so many of the one-liners. Yeah. And he crushes them all. Every single, Crush. every single one, every single time. <laughs> uh, and finally, Linda Marola. Amy Jo, your thoughts on that? Liza Minnelli. And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Look, she's perfect. I think we can all agree on that. She enters dressed like a condiment stand at a diner. She's um, rocking the ketchup and mustard colors. She sure is. She's dressed for shoplifting, you know? She's dressed <laughs> to she? blend in <laughs> inconspicuous. Maybe to blend in with a concession stand. Exactly, but... <laughs> to blend in at the diner. Um, she's so funny. She's so funny. She's so, and again, this is the thing because I think like we think of Liza and well, maybe this is just me, but like it's, it's like become drag, you know, Uh, she's, she's descended directly from Judy Garland, who is the, one of the other biggest drag performances, you know, that people will do. And it's hard to actually remember sometimes like how nuanced and brilliant she was, you know, at all of these things. Just like, she's just incredible. The moment to moment work. Liza. Manelli is always so alive in anything she's doing. She's just such a live wire. And it's so it's like what you're talking about with the horse, the scene with the horse. Like, of course, she's note perfect in that. Like, she's not like in her head getting flummoxed by this horse. She's rolling with it and making gold happen, you know? Yeah. And I love her. For a more um, choice that would be contemporary to her. I mean, this I like if it were made like 10 years earlier, um, I'm thinking like Barbara Streisand in the what's up doc kind of era. Yeah. Just like a little madcap. Yeah. You, you want someone who's like giving you that, that like all over the place, internal logic that makes no sense to anyone else. It's, it's Catherine Hepburn. I'm bringing up baby. You know, you also want that New York street smarts. Yes. You know, like to me, it's, it's all about that first scene that she's crushes it right at the gate where she's stealing this tie. And like, and then comes out, no, where, where were yeah, you? Uh, oh, darling, you forgot. Immediately, without a second's hesitation, is just like, oh, you're trying to get me off the hook? I'm immediately, yes, ending this story. Yes. And then with Hobson, of just like, is this guy with us? Like, he's just not even saying anything and mm-hmm. just getting the Arthur's number. And it's like, wouldn't it be funny if he, if he called me to Hobson? Like, she's yeah. just so You know, I hardly quick. ever take the bus. 
just and and you know i i'm normally a little irritated when they make characters actors in movies but that's how they sell her being so adept at all like i think that yeah that's it helps justify the like um and then we never see her acting no, we never see her no. at an audition it's just it's just there. background which then explains when she's just like very quick at improvising you know yeah. like oh my 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 husband harold and I, do I need to go on? Like, just great. <laughs> that is great. It's great payoff later when Susan's like sees the two what about together. Harold? But Harold, oh, you poor girl. <laughs> oh, you poor girl. Um, so that to me is very like younger madcap comedy Barbara. Yeah. Um, and then another Barbara, Barbara Harris, um, who I grew up watching in that Freaky Friday with uh Haley Mills, but she's also in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Oh, um, she is um lady fanny of omaha oh. she's so she's the one in the in the kind of opening sequence right. but she's so daffy she's so funny and she was like very known for that both on stage and on screen yeah. and i think that she would have also brought a very funny energy to it okay if we're doing it today <laughs> i want nicole buyer who is like on love the it. record love it for for loving to shoplift in her younger <laughs> years like you could she talks about it in a lot of interviews it's just so funny um she talks about like being in like the department store jail like underneath the department store when like a security guard caught her and stuff but very, she's you know very funny um well and it's nicole Byer, so she's very funny and is yeah. bringing you like it, i've also just like seen her back in the day doing sketches at ucb and just like brilliant character work quick silver all over the place i just feel like she's got everything to knock this role out of the park um also similar a kate mckinnon you know just like someone who's like bringing just delightful daffy chaos to us you know um then i thought maybe aubrey plaza different um kind of energy but i do feel like it could still be quite fun particularly as she's you know the notes that are more like disillusioned with the situation and just being like, yeah. right. Okay. Well, mm. All right, Arthur, like you can't come here at three o'clock in the morning and everything, but, I dig um, that. um, and then Phoebe Robinson, who I mainly know for her stand up, but, um, also just like absolute hilarious. Um, cause I feel like with this lies as an actor, not a comedian, but she is an outlandishly funny actor, yeah. which is why I mainly have comedians on this comedian actors on this list. Cause you want someone who can like bring it for those quiet moments, but who is like, most of those people are, are improvisers on my yeah. list who are like, yeah, I am willing to, I can, I can hold my own against someone totally. who's like a Dudley Moore, a Robin Williams, yeah. uh, someone like that and, and help elevate the whole film. Definitely. And they're also so great together. Yeah. which can't be understated is the chemistry between them is really good. It really makes mm -hmm. the movie pop uh, around that time. I speaking of dirty rotten scoundrels, I think Glenn Headley would be really Love good. Her. That's what I thought in that scene where she steals the tie and immediately goes into it. I was thinking of the end of dirty rotten scoundrels. Yeah. I will say she mainly plays the other note, like the, the uh, like the kind of, janet performance is like mainly sure. what she tends to to do but i'd be very interested to have seen her sustain something like the end of dirty rotten scoundrels through a whole performance sure um maybe a little earlier than than this but shirley mclean oh yeah i would love i'd love a young Whoopi goldberg yeah i think oh, would be yes. fantastic or jamie lee curtis around this time mm -hmm. is give is giving me crossed my mind too what yeah. i want um made later i could see natasha leone oh yeah 
I could see that Zoe Kravitz. Uh-huh. I always thought that Zoe. I could see Zazie Beetz of Atlanta and Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Aquafina. I thought of all... Aquafina too as someone who is just that quick silver changing on a dime. Because I've seen Aquafina be doing like the the full like flat out comedy. And with the farewell, I've seen her do more of like a dramedy yeah. drama, but I've not seen her do like a rom com. And this is a more of a rom com with the emphasis on the com. Yeah. But it's still there. And I'm like, I'd be interested to see that on Aquafina because she's such a you like singular yeah. performer. Which is that's really what you're getting with you want a singular Liza, performer. Right. Yeah. You're yeah. getting someone who they just feel everything they do feels very signed. Yeah, Liza's not someone that will ever feel like, oh, that's like the the love interest role. No. Like that's just the girlfriend role. No. It's like she takes up so much space. She's a tornado which is what you need. in a be- she's a beautiful tornado. Absolutely. So in terms of the actors who were actually considered Kim Basinger auditioned. No. No. This was also very early. I'm thinking of her in like that first Batman movie. like 89 and she looks yeah. like a ch child uh, Mia Farrow auditioned. Oh, well, I can't. All right. I can see that a little more. I could see She's it a little not more. a madcap comedian, but she, no. she has a lot of dexterity. Yeah. Like. She's got a bit more of the like. New York toughness in well, Broadway, yeah. Danny Rose specifically, I'm thinking yeah. of. But um, I'm not, not mad about it. Mm-hmm. Lily Tomlin wanted the lead. I, that, that I'm interested in. That I like a lot. This was the year after 9 to 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead, in 1981, she had The Incredible Shrinking Woman. <laughs> well. Um, but thinking of her around 9 to 5 era, I, I like a lot. Carrie Fisher turned it down. How do we not think Carrie? I don't, I don't know. She'd be great. She'd be great. I yeah. Be... Thinking of her in like when Harry met Sally, you know, Holy like sure. just that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Goldie Hawn was considered. She weirdly crossed my mind, I think, because I was, I was been thinking about Private Benjamin. Um, this was the year after Private Benjamin. And it's, I, I thought of her, but I was like, I don't quite feel like it's quite the right fit for this. But she, I yeah. could, she, I do think is a very skilled comedian. So oh, she absolutely. Absolutely. She gets, she's always giving me such glamour. Yeah. Marilu Henner was considered, but was deemed not as bankable as Liza Minnelli. This is right in the middle of Taxi, 1981. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I watched so much ta- between Taxi and the movie of Noises Off. That's mainly what I know her from, but she's. Can you imagine this good. movie with Mary Lou Henner and Andy Kaufman? <laughs> oh my God. No, but I could see Christopher Lloyd. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I could see Dana DeVito. It's very different, but a little tiny drunk Dana DeVito. Uh, I, okay. I'm, I'm not I'm leaning forward going, <laughs> I'll watch that tape. I'll watch I, that it's screen. It's giving test. me what I need. It's, it's so, it's just funny when it's like, here are like the different boxes that need to be ticked, but they could be ticked in such a wildly yes. different way. And Dana DeVito was ticking those boxes for me. Yeah. Barbara Hershey was considered. No, I don't know her as someone who's funny, but she's a very fine actor. Same. I feel I, like we're getting more of like a romance. I agree. That. I agree. Uh, Gilda Radner was considered. Oh, now it's talking. Now we're talking. She just finished her tenure with SNL. Right. Uh, but that I like. Now, Bette Midler was considered. Talking okay. about someone that's like, a you are never going to think of that person as, oh, yeah, they're the love interest. You're like, no, this is a this equal is co-star, like co-billing, yeah. both above the title of Dudley Moore yeah. and Bette Midler. I'm into that. I like that a lot. She, also, she almost might take over the movie. Too well, you much. would think that you might think that of Liza if you'd seen someone else do it, you know? Maybe, but I also 
no Liza so well from Arrested Development, where she is like That's so true. wild, but she is someone to be like, I'm in the ens- I'm an ensemble player. Yeah. Even though it's Liza. Uh Diane Keaton was considered. Yeah, she's like the same age. I was looking at all these women who are around this this age range. And she's she's funny, but to me, her funny is so much more understated. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is not to say Liza isn't doing some nuanced work, but she's not an understated performer. No, no. no never going to be accused of that. No. Uh, yeah, I agree. I see it more than some of these, but not exactly what I want. Jessica Lange was considered. No. Love Lang, but it's like, no, that's it not what I want. Right. She was doing The Postman Always Rings Twice with Nicholson this year, which is like, you know, a steamy noir. Yeah. Like, that's that makes yeah, sense she's to like me. she's like the modern-day Lana Turner. No one's casting Lana Turner and Arthur, you know? <laughs> they didn't even know about Arthur back then. They sure didn't, but if they um, did, they wouldn't. And Meryl Streep was considered. Interesting. Well, as we know, Meryl is very, very funny, but this does feel like she's still doing her prestige pieces. Uh, yeah, this because Kramer versus Kramer was 79, which was like yeah. the big one. And then 1981 was French Lieutenant's Woman. So she was fully into just making some prestige dramas yeah. at this point. And like Sophie's Choice was what, like 83? So she's in the pocket of... um. All of that. She's yeah. learning how to speak German in a Polish accent <laughs> from a Polish woman at this point in her life, you know? But so maybe Arthur would have been like a really nice change yeah. of pace to I mean, mix it I up. I bet she would have been funny, you know? Yeah, but not. She's not. She effortless I, no. Liza, which no. is. Because Liza lives in a more madcap energetic space. Yeah. You know? And I love her for it. I love it. So those are all the characters that I found other casting options for, but there are a few characters I didn't mention. I want to briefly touch on them. We have Geraldine Fitzgerald as Martha Bach. Geraldine Fitzgerald. That's just (laughs) mean. That's a great name. Uh, Of Wuthering Heights fame seemed to be the big one that I could see. With with, Olivier? With Olivier. Wow. I know. Uh, But she's great. She also returns. A lot of these actors return for the sequel, including... John Gilgood as Hobson, who comes back as a ghost, apparently, (laughs) which I'm like, he's still alive at that point. So I'm like, why not? You're like, well, we killed him off, but it's John Gilgood. He's one of the best things about the first one. Maybe now, do you think if they had Alec Guinness as Hobson, he would have come back as a force ghost? They would have given him the old blue sheen. Uh, did they have a like a, a copyright on Force Ghost? Uh, I don't know if you could copyright a ghost being blue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's she's very fun in her limited screen time here. Yeah, she's delightful. I feel like I wanted a little more. I wanted a little something. I wanted a little something. She only else. has the one little moment or two of her being like a weird horny grandma type, and but I'm like, I, I could have like, used a little more of that. Yeah, I just you know what it was. I really felt the actor. Okay. Rather than the performance, which I didn't like despise, but I was like, mm, I want it to feel a bit more like this is a person who just walked in off the street, not an actor having fun on a set. Yeah. Which you just don't feel that with Dudley Moore and Liza Minnelli. Those just feel like they're huge performances, but they still feel like just always thinking of like, what, what about Kevin Klein? No, I'm like, <laughs> is it Kevin Klein in anything? Oh, Kevin Klein as, uh, as Martha? <laughs> Kevin Klein as Martha. I'm into it. Um, I mean, Kevin Klein as, as Arthur, Arthur yes, would be, yeah, would be great. Delightful. Um, and actually he's getting, he's getting up there. He could do a Hobson. He could, you know, he, he could pull a Hobson. He could pull a Hobson. Um, but yeah, like I like her, but I didn't love her. I wanted, I just wanted something that felt less like an actor. 
You I know what I mean? Uh, we had Jill Eikenberry as Susan Johnson, the fiance. No, you weren't a fan of her. No, I did not care for her. She would go on to be in L.A. Law was her big thing for mm-hmm. many, many years. But I, thought, I her I just found very bland. Yeah, I, I she looks like Laura Linney. Looks um, like Laura Linney. Um, I was thinking that this is a great like Madeline Kahn type turn. Oh. That Madeline Kahn and Young Frankenstein is giving oh. a better version of this performance. That's true, but I'm like madeline khan as linda totally but then but yeah. i was thinking of that i was like no i know she's this is one of yeah. our options i was like but she she's giving me that kind of I, I didn't mind this actress i i liked her i felt very like she should be bland she's representing everything he does not want you can represent everything that he doesn't want without it being bland. I never want to see a characterization be bland. True. I guess I didn't feel like you she didn't was feel like bland. she was bland. Sure. I, I, I felt like she very much was this like um, top drawer kind of, you know, well, daddy this and Long Island that and we'll do this and blah, 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 blah. And then like those horrible bridesmaids dresses that oh. felt like they were oh. Southern Bells or yeah. something. Oh. So As you said, awful. like for a New York yeah, wedding. Yeah, so Gassed. Um, <laughs> you were gassed in a gog. I was gassed in a gog. I was gooped. I was gagged. Um, but I guess so. I didn't. I liked this perform. I, 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 it worked for me. Yeah. But I get how you would be like, this wasn't enough. I needed to go a little further for me. Because it's also such a limited screen time. You, it takes like an hour before you get a scene with her. Right. And I'm like, with all that buildup, like I wanted a, like a strong, like, oh God, this is the, I, w- I really I wanted it clear. The point is not that she's an awful person doesn't need it's to be awful just but just leaning in everything that she's already doing i just needed to go twice as yeah further and like that's how i felt about the grandma sure sure uh speaking of susan we have stephen elliott as bert johnson her father the uh father-in-law who <laughs> that's it. just suddenly him just like a cheese knife and like oh, oh he's gonna try to murder this man uh he's also of beverly hills cop fame and haven't done this in a while, but I thought it was apropos, not even of the same year, but he played Dr. Sam Garver in season one, episode 19 of Murder, She Wrote, Armed Response, where JB's in the hospital for a fractured leg and ends up investigating the murder of a doctor. Yeah, it's very um, Poirot when he's ill and has to send Hastings out to do all the recon, but he solves it just with his little gray cells, and that's direct reference to that. <laughs> Tell me it isn't. <laughs> We're listening, listener. I challenge you. <laughs> yeah, right, uh, right in the comments below if you want to challenge Amy Joe on this. You know I'm right. Um, um, anyway, no, I thought he was. I thought he was delightful. He's very. Apparently, he was getting like fed up with W. Moore's I'm improvising. Sure. So he he is an improvisation improvisation of him saying enough with the moose. <laughs> It's he's, so good. Because apparently he was like going off on like so many jokes about like the moose. And we only get like the three where it's just like, you know, where's the rest of this moose? I'm like, oh, there's a tough room. Like, don't, don't need to tell you, you this. It's like, why did you hate this moose? Enough with the moose. Okay. <laughs> my my favorite thing, though, is after those, you know, they, they edit it beautifully together with the rule of three. But that's another point where he just like looks to the moose like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, oh, the pain. And it's just like so... So well established and set up. That's so funny. That's uh, like um, 
There was this play off Broadway a few years ago that Michael Urie had this star clown turn in called the government inspector. And there's this whole drunk that he does. Actually, Michael Urie would be a fantastic Arthur. We do a gay a new Arthur. Broadway, a Broadway uh, play version of Arthur Broadway or musical. Version. Or we do, you know, or we do a, a remake of the film. Make, it, remake film. make it gay. Okay. I love sure. it. Um, that's okay. Now we're thinking. Um but anyway, there's this bit that he gets plastered at the end of the first act. And you know we're getting Nathan Lane as Hobson in the gay Arthur. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, Hollywood, get Hollywood on the whole. Or Ian McKellen. Or Ian McKellen. Hey. Now, every single actor in it needs to be gay. This is apparently over. I think that's, okay. I'm, all right. All right. We'll work, we'll, we'll work on it. Or just queer Arthur. Yeah. So it doesn't need to be just gay Arthur, but we can have, we could have some... We can still have Kate McKinnon running around doing something. Oh, we can have Kate McKinnon running around doing all the things. Anyway, point is, he's doing this, like, epic drunk scene, and there's this bearskin rug that's on the floor. And, like, the whole cast is up there. And he he does this whole thing where he's, like, in the middle of this monologue. And then he, like, goes down and, like, sees the bear <laughs> and, like, hugs the bear. And he's like, why? And apparently that was because <laughs> Mary Testa in rehearsal was like really upset that it was a real bearskin rug. Like she was very upset and like offended that it wasn't fake. And he just like took that and folded it into the camera to me. So sad. There's this dead bear on the ground. That's so like, good. That's it was so brilliant in the moment. But then talking to my friend who was the associate on it, me like, oh yeah, that was just because Mary made this whole thing about it. <laughs> I love it. We had a, uh... Paul Gleason in a very small role, Dwight in uh, Die Hard and the principal in Breakfast Club. He's like the kind of jerk executive guy that's just like talking crap about W. Oh, Moore. And, yeah. And John Gilgood's like, well, I wouldn't know I'm just the help, but go screw yourself. Yeah. it's uh, a That's such great writing, too, of just like a beautiful, like, I can talk to him that way, but like, yeah. I'm fiercely protective of I him. I could smack him in the head in the face when he's being a little, little shit, but... uh that's me. That's me. And also, I'm the parental figure, and you do not get to speak or think of him that way. New. No. We got Ted Ross as Bitterman, the chauffeur, who is the lion in the movie of The Wiz. Oh, I was like, why does this gentleman look so familiar? And he, one of the best mustaches I've ever seen. Tremendous mustache. I was like, is this mustache left over from when he played the lion in The Wiz? Because these are like massive whiskers. And it is delightful to say. Yeah. Uh, but he's very fun. He's very he's charming. He's great. I think he also strikes a really good balance of being like very irritated with his employer. But like you get that he doesn't hate the guy, you know, which is important for them selling the movie as it goes along. You, you know? see this character like going home to his, his wife and just being like, it was another eventful day with Arthur. Yeah, like, that it's yeah. not even like, oh, what a day. But it's just like, well, <laughs> it's eventful. Yeah. That's my my job. But you like, see you this see guy's like, inner life. You do. And you see him, like, managing, like, okay, all right, I'll go and I'll talk to, I'll pay the, I'll do the, I'll do the thing. This great little scene with Liza dropping her off. When she's just like, yeah. wait, can you, wait, I just want to see one of my neighbors see me get out of this car. It's like, oh, this one. And he's like, no, no, no. Let me let you out of the car. She deserves like the full treatment. Exactly. To let her out. Like, will there be anything else, ma'am? It's like, no. Thank, thank you, you, Bitterman. Thank you, thank you, Bitterman. <laughs> this woman in like a bathrobe with a stroller. This will kill like, her. <laughs> this will kill her. Uh, and uh, Barney Martin, who plays Liza's father in this, uh, oh. I mainly know as Jerry Seinfeld's father on oh. Seinfeld. Um, but when Liza was playing roxy in chicago on broadway he was the amos hart no yeah great amos hart yeah like 
he's delightful. He to me is giving young John Goodman. Yeah. Um, yeah. The house down boots, you know? Um, uh, I mean, one of the biggest laughs in the movie is when Liza like <laughs> turns down the the money. Arthur tries to give her money. Cause like, I've, I've got to get married to Susan, but I always want to give you all this money. And she's like, no. And it just smash cuts to her comforting her father. No, that's, that's oh. after they're on the phone. When he calls and says, I can't come tonight because I'm getting engaged. She hangs up the phone. It cuts back to Arthur. And he's just like on the other side of the phone, like, oh, and then it smash cuts to my mistake. And he's being comforted by her. He's for just this, like crying, broken he's dreams, sobbing. Uh, and it's so good. Uh, so good. Uh, so final thoughts, Amy Joe. anything we haven't touched on any other small character bits? Oh, I thought aside from the. Dudley Moore playing the piano being a fun thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's very effective within the context of the movie to see him being dazzling at something because he has no skills, occupation. We don't ever see him doing anything. So to see him get up and it's like, oh, okay. And this is clearly a thing he does at parties. People are like shouting things out at him. Like clearly that's just like, this is the thing that he does in society, but it's like, it's good to see him being really good at something and that because then it's also going to push us into the next like act of the film basically you know it gives you like that small little scene like gives you insight into being like oh maybe he used to be a certain kind of person before he really started drinking in terms of like once he was like i have no love in my life i have no one in my life now i'm turning to alcohol or also when but before that was the life of the party a drunk in their 20s is very different than a drunk in their 40s very very true very true. Yeah. So yeah. I, I really, I thought that was like a beautifully timed mm. moment to get that like information and to see that. Yeah. Love it. Uh, I'll end on this. According to the producer, Charles H. Jaffe, Sir John Gilgood never really understood the jokes he was giving. <laughs> and according to Liza, Gilgood kept turning to her and Dudley Moore asking if what he just said was funny. After the movie came out, Gilgood wrote to uh, journalist George Pitcher explaining that he was very bucked at the success of this movie. I thought Liza so very good and underestimated by the critics. Dudley screams too much at first, but gets better all through and is very charming and cooperative in the scenes with me. We also got on so wonderfully well together, despite that appalling heat. <laughs> I love it. Such That's, an actor. I no, also no, no, such a British actor. Well, yes, yes, such a Brit. But I also love like that in the hospital scene, Arthur is reading Hamlet to one of like the most famous Hamlet. Oh, yeah, we know? just left off. Th- things were not Hamlet, going. They, Hamlet was in a lot of trouble or something like <laughs> things that. Things were not going well for Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just like. As if John Gilgood doesn't know where Hamlet's going. Exactly. Hob- as if Hobson doesn't, but particularly that's a nice little wink to the eye. Being like, you think this guy hasn't played Hamlet in multiple famous productions? You're wrong. Um, but yeah, that's really oh. lovely. I love, but it's also just like, yeah, he's like a classical actor who's like, I, I don't know, I'm up here with like actual comedians. Like, was that funny? That's so endearing. <laughs> it sure is. Amy Joe, Jeffrey, what you recommending this week? Okay. While you were gone, I watched a lot of things that you wouldn't want to watch. So I'm going to... Um, Reel them all off. Well, I'm going to recommend kind of two because they're, they're, they do sort of like fall under the same kind of umbrella. Um, and these are famous things, but I know a lot of people have been like, oh, yeah, I should watch that. The first one is The Vow on HBO. It's nine-part docuseries about this 
small self-improvement group that was a cult um, in upstate New York. Um, it's just fascinating. The The group's called Nexium. I'm obsessed with it. If anyone wants to talk Nexium, <laughs> slide into those DMs because I can truly... I, there's other Nexium content, but this is my preferred Nexium content. <laughs> my preferred um, Nexium. Well, because also like one of the central subjects of the documentary is also a filmmaker. So he was filming a lot while it was happening. So the access they have and the footage they have is truly unbelievable as they're like leaving this cult. So it's, it's thrilling and fascinating and really um, delightful to, to not delightful. That's terrible. It's a great watch. Um, And also just like really, um, I don't know, just really interesting examining like abuses of power and how we're all susceptible in different ways. Like, you know, I don't think I would have been susceptible to like, a cult like heaven's gate. Cause I'm like, I'm just not interested in spaceships, you know, but like, am I, am I interested in being my best self? Yeah. I'm, I would have gotten sucked in by this pretty, pretty hard probably. So then I started watching a lot of cults or cult adjacent stuff, like high control group things. And so there's a lot of really great um, docs out there, but one that I found super upsetting and fascinating is called the way down and it's way spelled like w e i g h it's also on hbo and it is like a church where the doctrine becomes about becoming closer to jesus by losing weight and it's terrible and the lead like leader of this group is a woman, which is fascinating in the evangelical community, very unusual, but also her hair journey. You can see as people get more and more sycophantic toward her and less willing to have like a real conversation, her hair just gets more and more bananas. Um, Like truly, (laughs) truly you're like, what is even happening on her head? So anyway, super fascinating. That one's only three parts. It's going to have, I think a couple more episodes come out, um, later this year, hopefully. And the vow season two, I think is coming out later this year, which will focus on the trial of the, the cult leader. But anyway, uh, that's the vow and the way down both on HBO max. Wild. Jeff. Mm, What are you recommending this week? I'm going to recommend the movie, the one I love by, uh, Charlie McDowell. He just came out with a new film on Netflix, Windfall, with Jason Siegel and, uh, Jesse Plemons, a movie I did not care for, but I did like his first film, The One I Love, which is a very small film with about Mark Duplass and Elizabeth Moss as this married couple who, uh, go to this retreat to try to mend their marriage and some weird, possibly sci-fi like doppelganger stuff starts going on. Like it feels like a rom-com Twilight Zone episode. A rom-com gone wrong. A rom-com gone wrong. Uh, but I, I, oh, I love it. It's a weird little film, but it's a very fun, like that kind of no budget sci-fi uh, that I really dig. And it's a really good acting opportunity. They're both like playing multiple versions of themselves kind of mm. without really spoiling what's going on. They just get to play like multiple characters. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very fun. So uh, I'd recommend that, the one I love. And that's what we're recommending this week. Da-da-da. Do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at analmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. If you're curious, what movie are they doing next week? Sure, I'd love to watch it before the episode drops. Why follow us on Instagram where we announce it every Saturday at andalmoststarring. And don't forget to, after you followed us on uh, on Instagram, make sure you slide into those DMs with all that great Nexium content Talk to for me Amy about Joe. As we are, we're, we're uh, fully doing a spinoff show, My Current Cult. 
there's there's a lot of cult. Um, I I'm happy to talk uh, Twin Flames. I'm happy to talk uh, all there. Uh, you name it, I'm happy to talk about it. So <laughs> let's get chatting. Let's get chatting. Oh, that's the tagline. Let's my current get chatting. my current cult. Let's get chatting. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Jeff Roden. I'm Amy Jackson. And thanks for joining us to see who almost starred. <laughs>